Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. Being in corporate America, I saw people less intelligent than myself being promoted with lighter skin than me. Yeah. And it confirmed that the only way I was going to be able to get the acknowledgement for what I could do was the credentials to prove that I was intelligent. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, Welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people. All right. Great show for you today. I just finished interviewing Mrs. Stacy Trot, who is a uh, international real estate uh, attorney. She uh, mainly deals with private equity firms and global investment managers in terms of her representation. I had her on the show because she married, divorced and remarried the same person <laughs> and had an interesting story to tell about that. Her uh, personal truth, she talked a lot about being able to listen to your gut and really looking at peace in the center of God's will, which is, as she said it, but really what we're talking about is listening to that inner voice to guide you. And then in her professional truth, she realized through her journey, and you'll listen and get into it, that basically you can do anything you put your mind to, that she realized that once she made a decision that the world was her oyster, but it was about making the decision. And once she made that decision, then she was able to, to take off. And we talk a, a lot about the marriage, the, the divorce, and then remarriage, and why someone would marry the same person. She gave some tips on having success in corporate America as a minority. And when I say minority, not necessarily your race, but just being one of a handful of folks in that's at the top of that quote-unquote corporate ladder. And uh, we talked about because she graduated, well, she started college at 16. We talked about just her experiences as a young person on the college campus. And one of the themes that I liked throughout this whole piece was the word reverse engineer. We talked about that a lot and just in terms of how you can visualize your goals where part of your planning process is really starting at the end and working backwards. So it was great. We had fun. Energy was good. I hope you guys enjoy it. Close your eyes and open your ears, and uh, let's get into it. All right. All right. We're going to pivot away from the, ma- the marriage yeah. for, okay. for a second. What was it like being a 16-year-old on the college campus? Talk about that. Were there any experiences that helped you in your professional life? So it was easy for me because I went to kindergarten at four. I'm just trying to remember. So I started out school generally young, and then I skipped fourth grade. So the transition was so early on where I jumped that I just kind of felt like I'm like everybody else. 
And then girls, you know, they mature. How did you skip it? Did you just test out or they just said you, you, you're smarter than... So I was folks? in when thir- I was in a private Christian school okay. for elementary school. And in third grade, they could tell I was bored. Okay. Yeah. So they were like, she's bored. And so they asked my mom, can we give her a fourth grade work in the third grade classroom? And yeah. she's like, sure, if she wants it. Yeah. So I did basically fourth grade and third grade Got so it. that when third grade was over, they then... Moved me to fifth grade, grade, right. But I was in the same school, and so I knew, you know, the people in the fourth grade. So when, you know, it wasn't that huge of a transition for me. It was easy, and it didn't feel like a big deal. Yeah. So then by the time I was 16, I was graduating with all of my friends, and I was younger, but... 16 and 18 is not really different, I think, in girls. Mm, okay. As far as maturity, okay. if the 16-year-old is very mature. And think back to 18. Like, you weren't really that mature. No. You were very immature. Yes, correct. <laughs> right. So yeah. it's kind of like, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal, of deal. So I was aware of it because every time my age came up, people made a big deal about it. Okay. But within my own body and You're how fine. I felt, I was kind of like, I'm just me. Okay. It is what it is. <laughs> you know, this this transition happened so long ago, like kind of like let's not make a big deal about were the, it. Were the guys on campus giving you a hard time about it? Like Everybody. you're 16, you little yeah, girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think, you know, I think your age, how you carry yourself is how yeah. people treat you. Okay. So it became shocking, but you know, it was fine. I think okay. the biggest thing with people, you know, you're not supposed to be drinking in college anyway. Right. So, right. Nobody drinks no, in college. We right. Of course. About. No, no, no. Of course not. Right. But, but no one's drinking age. So that was kind of the biggest <laughs> thing, right? So it was kind of like, really, what's the distinction here? So I, yeah. I was kind of like, it's not a big deal. And then, you know, once you know people, I think it was a bigger deal freshman year. Yeah. And then I was just AC. Right. Because then, you know, you know, everybody, you met everybody. And I really hung out with a lot of the blacks and Hispanics and there weren't that many of us. So once you got to know those people, it was like it wasn't news. So it's I always know when I'm stepping into a new environment, it's news and then it's not. Okay, okay, (laughs) right. It passes. Right. So I would consider you a minority in corporate America. And I'm saying a minority not because you're a woman or because you're you're black. I'm saying you're a minority just based on the numbers. If you look at the numbers of People at your position in corporate America, you're one of, you know, thousands, right? Okay. So what would you tell, you know, or give someone who's listening, who wants to sort of climb that ladder, who may not come from a background, you know, to benefit from nepotism or, you know, even know someone at the level that they're trying to be at? What advice would you give them? So I had neither nepotism or anyone, you know, um, my aunt in full disclosure is an attorney and so I had that growing okay. up that I was just aware, seeing a black woman who's a lawyer. I'm like, okay, you know, yeah. tangible. Yeah. And I'm sure that had an impact, even but though- she's not a partner at a firm. <clears throat> no, she's right. not. She went, a com- <laughs> she went a completely different right. route and at yeah. one point was a judge in Connecticut. So completely different role and situation and type of law. So I think for me, and it's funny, I was just talking to somebody about this. I picked law school because um, it was one of the- You know, when you're growing up, like, what are the big things? Doctors, lawyers. We got one of each right here, right? And I was really confused as a kid as to why people picked professions that Mm. caused them to struggle financially. Mm. My brain is very linear and logical, and it just didn't make sense. So I thought, well, I'm going to pick something that's going to not have me struggling. Right. Science was not it for me. So <laughs> so law was a natural choice of the two. Right. And so and I was the intention was to go and get the degree and then figure out what I was gonna do with it. Never wanted to practice law, wasn't interested, knew I didn't want to be a litigator in a courtroom. So the goal really was like financial freedom. Okay. That was the choice. Right. And so that was the I reverse engineered into the thing that I was able to define that could 
take me to financial freedom. When you say you got the degree, you're talking about your college degree or your law, law degree? degree. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So for me, my in my household, college was like high school. Yeah. It's what you do when you finish high sure. school. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't really think about college and, and in a way of trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. So that was like, you know, you just, this is what you do. And that's one of the reasons why when I graduated from college that I didn't go right into law school. Right. Because I had, HBO for a while. I did. Yeah. I was looking for a break from just being on this path that I felt was predetermined for mm-hmm. me. Okay. I had interned when I was in college at Time Warner for a summer. And knew that I wanted to be in kind of a fun environment and yeah. entertainment was kind of that. Yeah. So HBO checked that box for me. So I did that. I did um, human resources for a year. I was super bored. And then <laughs> um, um, was going to leave. And actually, it was like right in the middle of the whole dot-com craze. And they were throwing money at people to come work at dot-com companies. Okay. So I was going to do that. And thank God I didn't because obviously that whole bubble burst. Yeah. Um, and everybody Oof. in the, yeah. <laughs> and almost everybody lost their jobs in that industry. And so I moved over into the sports department. And that was cool because I ended up working with two lawyers. Mm-hmm. And so in supporting the two lawyers, I got to see people use the degrees in a way similar to what I wanted, which was not in the traditional law firm Sets, or right, right. Law, law and order. So I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'm like, right. here's how you can use it. Here's one way. So I thought that was cool. And then also being in corporate America, I saw people less intelligent than myself being promoted with lighter skin than me. Yeah. And it confirmed that the only way I was going to be able to get the acknowledgement for what I could do was the credentials to prove that I was intelligent. Yeah. So yeah. then I got clear that it was time to go to school and I didn't want to give up my income. So I, I went to law school at night. I hated law school so much <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I did yeah. part-time. Part-time was four classes with the fifth class, which is, in my opinion, not part-time. Took two summer classes after the first year and then switched into the day program all while keeping my job. And I did law school part-time, full-time in three years with the job. So it's kind of unheard of. But I was like, I got to get this done. And I don't see a reason to go back into living like a college student when you have no money. (laughs) (laughs) I'm big on like kind of like it has to make sense economically always. So I did that and then decided to work at a law firm because in my third year of law school, someone said to me, if you don't practice law at a law firm, you will always be seen as a law student with the law degree. Wow. And the degree will not have the value that you intend for it to have. And I thought... That can't happen. Yeah. So went to practice at a law firm. Passed the bar first. Well, passed the bar. New York is one of the most difficult, yeah, That was probably the most disciplined time I've ever had in my life. For 21 days, I ate the same thing every day, Mm. and I studied for 12 hours a day. Yeah, no. I I, I have similar experience (laughs) studying for boards. We do a month of just... Eight to ten, yeah. you know, in the library, mm-hmm. taking eating eat break, go back. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy. I did yeah. ten to ten every day for twenty one yeah. days, and I was like, I'm doing this once. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I'm not doing this again. You know, a lot of people yeah. take it multiple mm-hmm. times. Yes, mm-hmm. playing around. Yeah. So I said, I'm doing this once, and so I did it once and passed. And I nice. was like, and you know, when I walked out of the exam. Everybody asked me, because my, my church family and my home family didn't understand that you have to wait like six, uh, four or five months to get your results. Yeah. And so I just said, I passed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to explain to everybody, we'll do the thing and they have to read it. and uh, So I just said, I passed. And I just kept saying I passed to everybody that asked. So yeah. when I got the results, I was like, I think there was a little bit of affirmation going on there yeah, with the I passed. That's yeah. Right. So That's I just right. kept saying, I was like, I passed. 
Okay. I did everything that I knew I needed to do. And so I felt like I have done my part and I was praying, God, you do your part now. So, right. and I passed. So okay. for those who are trying to, I, I say find something that you think, it doesn't make sense to me these days that people pick things that are not going to economically take care of them. I understand there are things that are passions that you might want to pursue that do not provide um, good incomes. But I feel like do that as a hobby or a side hustle. Or if you're going to do it, figure out how to do it and get to the top of whatever the economic bracket is for that. You know, I have a friend who decided to become a teacher, but she's done all the certifications and she went into a specialized area. And so she's managed to make decent money as a teacher as opposed to just kind of, because I just, you know, I, it's struggling doesn't make sense if you don't have to. Right. Why, why, why do that? <laughs> why do that? Right. Why do that? <laughs> and I'm not saying that without, you know, acknowledging, you know, the privilege and the opportunities and all those things that I've, um, but when you're sitting down and you're dreaming, dream big. That's how I think about it. Dream big. Yeah. So now once you define the destination, just reverse engineer into it. Reverse engineer. That, that's been a theme uh, today. Yeah, reverse engineer into it. Yeah. Reverse engineering basically means you start at your you start at the goal and go backwards. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's how I've lived my life until this marriage thing came along. <laughs> this damn marriage thing. This marriage God thing. Damn it. <laughs> but it changed me. It transformed me. So I'm mm. grateful. Are you um, still a control freak to this day? I'm better. I'm better with it now. I'm, I'm better. I'm better. I think I'm probably always recovering, um, recovering. but I, I'm able to control see it. Control freak Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'm able to identify it and I'm learning where control is necessary. It's a healthy thing, right? Sure. And so learning when it's needed and when I need to let go. There's a nuance where there's moments where if you don't step up and control this thing, it's going to go off the rails and it was your job to keep it under control. And then there are other things that's like, this is not for you to do. You're not the Holy Spirit. Let it go (laughs) and leave it to God. Pray about it and, and release it. And I wouldn't have been able to appreciate that nuance and learn when to control and when to let go if I didn't go through the process that I went through. Because it was a struggle. Yeah. Like I was a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a struggle. Like I, I negotiated with God for probably about a year before I started to say, okay, now what do you want me to do? Because it was like, this is what should be happening. And I don't understand why you can't. <laughs> that That's where I was. Time, trying to control <laughs> yeah, God. Try, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, saying, you know, get in line with this program. Right. You know, get right? in line with my so, program. Yeah. You control yeah, everything, but, but you get, know, get in line yeah. with my program. Yeah, just being honest. Yeah, no, that's, that's the truth. That's real. No, it's that's real. The truth. It's real. We're going to jump into our last section here. Yes, okay. OBS. You good? Yep, I'm See, this, great. This has been good, right? Much you, you, easier you all... than I anticipated. <laughs> Yo, people listening, she was tripping. tripping. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. If, why I don't did know, I agree to I'm do here. this? And I know you've been doing a lot of public speaking you I know, have. lately. I've so, taken a minute. I've taken yeah. a break for a minute. But I can tell you I don't enjoy it. You don't enjoy Mm-mm. it? Why not? Well, actually, let me revert. Let me, let me take a step back. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of it professionally. Okay. And honestly... What lights my heart on fire is the personal, Mm, the things that I've been through, helping people, being transparent with my testimony. That I'm comfortable with. What I do for a living is what I think most people are attracted to about me, but it's a job. And yep. it doesn't light my heart on fire. Right. It's what you do, not who you are. Correct. That's what I tell people yes. all the time. Yes. Be being a physician. Yes. Know? And so I say I'm an attorney and I've become a capital partner at this global firm because I'm good at it. Yeah. And it's the opportunity and the doors that God has opened for me. But I know it's not my final destination. 
So things that excite me are talking about what God has done in my life and being able to speak into someone's life in a way that I feel like transforms them, encourages them, excites them. Someone said to me the other day, you're an exception. And I said, no, I'm an example. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because some people want to say, well, it it worked for you, but it won't work for me. And I'm like, no, I'm here as an example. And so whenever I feel like I have a platform where I can be an example, that excites me. Yeah. And the thing is, people don't realize is that it may not work for them in the exact same way it worked for you, but it will work for them. Correct. They just just have to figure out. Right. It's possible. Yeah. You just got to figure out the path they need to take. Right. Number one. Okay. Real estate is the best vehicle to build wealth. I want to say yes. You want to say yes, okay? Because, yes. you know, this, these I transactions you do all was, the time. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, we never said I do real estate law. I would say it's probably, yes, one of the best ways. One of the best ways, yeah. okay. The re- reason I put this in here is because I always, because I always want to do the anti thing. I always mm-hmm. want to do what everybody else isn't doing because yeah. that's just my head. Yeah. If you look at YouTube and you, mm-hmm. all of these guys that are pushing out these programs, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. push, you know, real estate, real estate, mm-hmm. real estate, real estate. Mm-hmm. And so I know it's a great way to build wealth, yes. but I know there are other ways as well. Number two. Living in the suburbs is more fun. Yes, but I have to cast. There's a little star next to it because okay, I've been here out. for 30 days and yeah. I can't say that I've had any fun yet. But <laughs> <laughs> but I'm anticipating that it's going to be more fun. I mean, honestly, since we've been here, we've had spent more time with friends yeah. than we have in a long time just okay. because we have a place now yeah. where we can fellowship. And it was one of the main reasons why we wanted to buy a home yeah. is just to be able to be in community with the people that we care about. Yeah. And when we were in our little two bedroom, it was always such a mess <laughs> with my son's stuff everywhere. Yeah. That I never, yeah, right. Now right. he has, he's been quarantined to sections of the house. And so yeah. it works. And so, yeah, I, I'm anticipating not only is it going to be fun, but I'm going to have a she shed. That's right. I'm so excited. Now for the listeners that don't know what a she shed is, <laughs> explain what a she shed is. A she shed is just a girl's space in the house and I'm anticipating being able to have really quality amazing experiences of laughter tears Mm. all of the above smiles joy etc in that space by myself and Mm. with other women yeah I'm excited to be able to host and say let's go into this like women's cave it's the equivalent of a man's cave what is important prettier I'm like asking my own question but answer my own question in my head, but what is, you tell the listeners, for you, what's important about women fellowshipping, getting together and supporting each other? I mean, I just think women are amazing. There was a time in my life when I didn't feel that way. Okay. Because girls can be mean. Yeah, basically. (laughs) But women are awesome. And so I feel like, you know, when you get past the phase of dealing with girls, and there's some Mm. girls running around in women's bodies, Mm. but when you deal with women, right? Like, yeah, like grown women who know who they are and they're not intimidated by another person's Space. Yeah. It can be awesome. And when you're able to be with women and the masks come off and you can talk about all the things that are going on and realize you share so much more in common than you do different. Yeah. And be able to kind of celebrate the highs and share the lows. I mean, relationships, marriage is great, but like girls support of how we can understand and connect with each other, I think it's phenomenal. And I'm yeah. I'm a I'm a big supporter of women in many ways and I'm excited to be in community with them. Okay. Nice transition because I'm about to ask you about a, a fellow fellow female. Okay. Number three. <clears throat> Gail King. Oh boy. Was out of pocket for her Lisa Leslie interview about Kobe. Yes. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, Agreed. I I yeah. 
I was defending her for a moment because yeah. I thought that it was part of his history. But I've heard some people opinions that have transformed it. Mm-hmm. And I'm I know she was well intentioned. So I don't think that some of the hate speech that has come out around it has been fair or yeah. warranted. Yeah. But I do think that None of us would ever want the worst part of our lives to be what people choose to talk about after we pass, especially when we pass in a tragic way. And I think that had he been able to live to the conclusion of his life that we all thought he could or should have had another, you know, four decades. Sure. I don't even know if it would have come up because there would have been so much that he would have done in his life that I think it wouldn't have mattered. And I think in the fairness to how short his life was cut and how tragic it ended and the yeah. fact that his daughter and these other families were included. Yeah. There's a sensitivity and respect, I think, right. that just needed to be handled right. in it. And I think she just missed that. But I do think as a society, we should have grace for her. Yeah. I think we should have grace for the mistake. And I think she's learned from this. And I think she will be much more careful in her choices of what she says in the future. Privately, I hope she's learned from it. Publicly, yeah. she's, you know... Put out some PR, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that mm-hmm. doesn't really, they're not real apologies. Right. I agree with you that I don't agree with Snoop calling her out of her name, you yeah. know, B word. Yeah. She's still a woman yeah. and you have a mother, Snoop. So, yeah. you know, yeah. my problem with it as a, I'm not a journalist, mm-hmm. but I interview people, right? Mm-hmm. When I ask somebody a question and they answer it, and even in, in, as an attorney, mm-hmm. asked and answered, right? right? She answered the question. Mm-hmm. But then you come with the, the, the backup where mm-hmm. well, you wouldn't really know now, would you? Mm-hmm. And so there was just a sinister nature to it that I, I thought I had a pro- that I had a problem with. I think, I think fir- it was first a lack question, of sensitivity. First question, she answered it. All right, move, move on. on. Right. To something else. And in fairness to her, she's not the only journalist who has brought that sure. situation up. Sure. So I just yeah. think in this moment, she might be being vilified a bit. Yeah. In a way that I think is unfair, but I I, I get it, I yeah. get it, yeah. and I I'm I'm certain that if she had it to do over again, she oh, wouldn't have course. handled it that way. Yeah, and, and that's where the grace comes in. Right? Yeah, and we you know we both have uh, a buddy that works over at CBS, and there's been a lot of uh, changes mm-hmm. since that interview mm-hmm. internally in mm-hmm. terms of how they handle mm-hmm. interview not only the questions but how they're put out. Correct. So there there's some changes being made. Number four. Stacy Trot will start a new business within five years. Yes, absolutely. All right. I'm figuring it out. I know there's a book. There are several there you go. that are going to be written. Okay. I know there's stages, plages, stages, plays, flat platforms that I'm supposed to be on. This is probably um, to start. Yeah, some of it. Yeah, you go. And it's definitely around women, marriages, relationships. Yeah. Helping people feel empowered. I know that's one of the gifts that God has given me, and yeah. I feel most fulfilled when I'm in that space. Helping people feel empowered is is one of the reasons that I, I do this show, so that's important. Yeah. Yeah, because at least for me, this show came out of me writing a book, mm. and the book was called Victim to Victor. Mm. And so there was a, a physician's journey to healing. So there was a, a period of time in my life where I, I felt in my head very victimized, and mm. I was a victim of all these things that had happened. and. Mm-hmm. You know, as a child, I, was, I mean, I've talked about I was molested and then, mm. you know, in relationships, there mm-hmm. was you know, some victimization business. There mm-hmm. was some victimization. But I, you know, the truth that I came to was it, it was it was all in here. Mm. I was making myself the victim. And mm-hmm. then when I stopped doing that, then I noticed, oh, people, they just treat me regular now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, I was trying to right. take advantage. Right. It's so interesting. Mindset. I think yeah. that's why that was something you focused on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mindset is important. 
Number five, talk therapy doesn't work. Hmm. BS. Okay. I think you can talk through anything. Yeah. I think people don't talk enough. Okay. I think communication is key. I think if you had communication and grace, you could transform anything. Communication and grace. Right? Like the grace to, we treat people based on, what is it? Something about like our intentions versus what actually happened. And so Mm -hmm. we treat ourselves based on our intentions, but everybody else based on what happened. So if you do something to me, my reaction is based on what happened. Right. But if I do something to you, you're like, that's not what I meant. What I meant was, and sure. why won't you see me the way I intend to be seen and mm-hmm. what I intended to do? And so I think if you communicate and you have grace for the other person in the communication, you can right any wrong, heal any wounds, um, discuss any issue, resolve a situation, forgive and move past and yeah. enter into a new way of relationship. So, and you have to talk to do that. When you use the word grace, you mean like compassion. It's yes. kind of like what you're... Okay. Yes. Yep. yes. Yep. Agreed. Yep. Yes. But also grace is... <laughs> so mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. And grace is giving something someone what they don't deserve. So okay. mercy is like, you deserve... 10 years. <laughs> right. Okay. You're not going to get 10. I'll give you two. That's mercy. That's mercy. Okay. Or none. Grace is you don't deserve for me to forgive you, but grace says I'm going to forgive you. Mm. So it's giving someone something they don't deserve. And so when someone does something to you and you're offended by it, without grace, you want to respond to what happens. But grace says, I'm going to give you my forgiveness, even though you don't deserve it. Because it's you what I would want someone to do for me. When you say you don't deserve it, you're talking about in on this plane, in this world, as you know, in, in, a, corporal, in a corporal sense. Yes, but yes. What you're talking about is like almost like, you know, what God God's or the grace. spirit, right? Yeah. That he's like, you know what? You're not really worthy, but I know what's inside. Correct. So Correct. But I mean it in a human to human way in that when you offend me, grace, if I give you grace, I'm going to forgive you, even though it seems like that wasn't really a mistake. (laughs) This is kind of feeling intentional, right? So, and there's a lot of that, right? If we, if you know, if you feel like it's not intentional, you can get past it for most people if you're mature. But if you feel like you weren't thinking or you should have what, you know, you can put a whole package around it. And then, and even when we do that, We want grace. We really want someone to treat us based on what we intended. Do you think forgiveness is for the other person or for you? Oh, it's absolutely for you. A hundred percent. Thank you. Very good. Yes. That was a yes yes or BS that I didn't put in there, but I just thought about that. Because it's a hundred percent for you. Correct. Because you've got to move on inside. But so is grace, right? Mm. Because I think about grace in the way that I think about what I would want if I was in your shoes. It's empathy. The only way you can give grace is to be empathetic, right? So like I know there are times where I've hurt or offended someone and I didn't mean it, but I could see totally based on the circumstances, the impact. And so in that moment when I'm trying to clear the air, I'm looking for grace. So if we had more grace, I would think you could talk through anything. So I think talk therapy absolutely is necessary. When I asked the question, I was talking more about like, you know, going to psychotherapists, you know, that kind of thing. But that's but, what's happening in there, similarly, right? Yeah, yeah, similarly, yeah. yeah. Yep, it's yep. In therapy, which I am in, um, grace for myself. That's yeah. what I think a lot of what happens in there in the talk therapy sure, is you sure. unpack, yeah. you figure out what happened, and then you got to have grace for yourself. Yeah. Number six, being a mom is easier 
than being a wife? That is a really good question. I would say BS because, <laughs> because I think they're both hard. Mm-hmm. And I think that at any given stage, there are times when they are easier. Okay. One's easier Fluctuates. than the other. Correct. Okay. So like I have a two-year-old and right now, he's kind of easy. Yeah. But I know that as he gets older, it's going to get hard. And right now as a wife, it's easier than it was. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. always expect it to get bumpy and then it smooths out and then it gets bumpy. And so if you take a snapshot at any moment, one might look easier than the other, mm-hmm. but I think they're both very hard. Mom, wife, daughter, <laughs> sister, friend, <laughs> lawyer, they're all, <laughs> they're all hard. Okay. They're all hard. Number seven, last one. Respect is more important than love. BS. Mm. It depends on who you're asking. So the Bible says, wives love your husband, respect your husbands. Husbands love your wives. So to a wife, mm. love is very important. It's more important than respect. But to a husband, respect is more important than love. I heard mm. this person who synthesized this thought say it this way. If you told a wife, I don't love you, you've devastated her. Mm-hmm. If you said to her, I don't respect you, (laughs) in my head, I'm like, you'll figure it out. You'll get there, right? Right? But don't tell me you don't love me. But to a man, what he needs is your respect. Mm. He wants to feel your love, but he can exist without it. But if he doesn't feel respected, you're chipping away the essence of what he needs as a man. Yeah, So straight up. Yeah. And then I, I sat in a class where the men were like, yeah, you know, everything he said about respect. And I was like, wow. I, did, I mean, I, I didn't, I, I couldn't understand how important it was because I'm not a man. Yeah. So I had to sit and listen. And the reason why I understand it is because I understand how important love is to me. Yeah. I still can't fully embrace it unless I compare it to the thing that I need. And so... For a wife, it's uh, for a woman, it's love is oxygen, and for a man, respect is oxygen. And when you understand that, you can stop. As this, um, I'm forgetting his name, as this author, speaker, teacher says, is when you don't give your spouse that thing that is their their oxygen, you're stepping on the air holes, right, so, and killing the relationship. Correct, yeah. correct. Yeah, so straight up. for a woman, if I was unaware, I would have said. <laughs> I would have said yes, but no. I think it's, it's contextual based on who That's you're, great. which which species, which which um yeah. which sex you're speaking to. Yeah, I like that. I actually learned learned, learned something, something today. So oh, much. yay! Good for me. Yeah, I usually answer these questions with sort of predetermined, you know, notions yeah, already. Well, um, so what was but, your answer? But, that in, one? but interesting, interested to hear the other person's <laughs> right. perspective. Right. But I actually changed my my perspective. You know, was, I mean, my thing is respect. Yeah. Is but your point to your point. Depends you know, on who you're it asking. depends on who you're asking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Stacey, thank you so much. This was great. I know you're not like big on, um, you know, social media. I'm not. But you know, in the next five years, I'm sure she'll have a website yes. up with some, yes. some training and some classes <laughs> yes. and some, you know, all the things, all, 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 all the, the things, things. all, all, all the things. things. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I like to to just thank her for you know spending the time, giving the the good people something to um to gnaw on and. You know, just listen, we're out here trying to grow. Yeah. And that's what yeah. that's what this show is about. And um I think you uh you 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 definitely helped with that I today. Contributed to that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, I'm gonna sign off as I always do. Good people, thank you for listening. The truth will set you free if you let it.